March 1st of 2019 was my first like official day with the Breakthrough Academy and the Apex team. Since that point, I've done well over $6 million in sales. I've done created digital courses, become a best-selling author. Thank you so much, Drewby. I guess we can jump right into it. So Drewby, how long have you been doing sales for? So I am 34. I have been in the sales game since I was probably 13 or 14. Oh, started when I was in high school. I uh, used to sell a little bit of the reefer back in the day. So, you know, I was that kid that had access to things before most other kids. And so that was how I got my start in sales. Um, but as I got older, I really cut my teeth on sales um, when I got into working at a retail cigar and tobacco shop. And so I was at the time I was bouncing for a guy at night and kind of working part time for him there needed some extra money. So he said, Hey man, if you want to go and work, uh, you know, in one of my retail cigar shops, you're more than willing or more than able to go and do that. So that was kind of my start was learning the tobacco industry. And what was cool about that for me was that I was probably like 18 at the time when I got into it, I wasn't like a smoker or anything like that really. So I mean, other than the, the jazz cabbage, but you know, uh, when it comes to the tobacco side, I didn't know anything about tobacco or cigars or any of that. And so what I did is I would just try everything, you know, they'd send us a lot of samples and, and, you know, I had access to try like a different cigar every day. So I just dove into learning the product and then asking a lot of questions to the, the customers like, Hey, what do you like? Do you have a preference, light, dark, spicy, mild? Right. And so I just kind of got to learn what each cigar had for its flavors and, and style. And then I would help the guys find one, um, that fit their style. But my goal was always to be like, Hey, what do you like now? And if it was a $5 cigar, how do I find one that costs like $6 or $7 to sell them? Right? Like how do I upsell them on something a little bit nicer to make a few extra bucks? And and that was kind of like my big foray into sales. Interesting. And what did you think helped the most when it came to upselling? So in my mind, I'm like, they're coming to you. They're already hot. They already want to purchase the one thing they're looking for. How'd you convince them to buy something else on top? So for me, it was very much of um, just offering and asking questions. Hey, man, what do you like? All right, cool. I, that's a great cigar. If you want to try something new, I would say maybe try like this one, this one or this one. Right. Or, hey, if you're feeling spicy and you want to do something a little fancier, like you have a celebration, here's a great stick for 10 or 12 dollars. I know you normally smoke a three to five dollar stick on your daily. Like not everybody's got the money to burn a 10 or 12 dollar stick every day. But if you're going to celebrate, here's a real nice one. Right. And so my goal was always just giving them options, knowing that they're going to buy. Right. Like they walked in, they came to us for a, a product. They knew they were going to buy something. I just wanted them to see what else they could buy that would be of interest to them that they maybe wouldn't have if I hadn't made mention of it. I see, I see. And then what, so you were 18, you sort of, you're selling cigars. What was the last 10, 20 years look like? How did that transition to what you're doing now? If you were to like do like a quick summary. Quick summary. So I sold cigars for about three and a half years. I was with that company. I took them from doing 300,000 a year to just over half a million dollars a year in the store that I worked at. We became the best cigar shop in town. We got voted by the local city paper. Um, so I did that for about three and a half years. Two weeks before Christmas, um, my last year there, the owner came in on a Sunday and said, 
hey man, you're doing a great job. I really appreciate it, but I got to let you go. And so I got fired two weeks before Christmas, which was kind of like the craziest thing. Why? You know, at the time, I didn't really understand it. It comes, it was a blessing in disguise. That guy ended up getting investigated by the IRS and the tax man. And so there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about, like as the manager, right? Like I just saw the numbers and what I was doing is growing. Turns out when you grow that much, people want to know why you don't report it. That's about all I'm going to say about that, right? So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, but um, I got a call from a customer of the cigar shop that said, hey man, I work over at this furniture store around the corner. I heard you got let go. If you're looking for a position, I've got some part-time work that, that might put some money in your pocket. I know you're a good sales guy. Why don't we have a conversation? I went in, had a conversation with the owner of the store. He let me come on and do commission only sales during the tax season. So I didn't know anything about furniture. Ended up selling about $150,000 worth of furniture in a six week time frame, Whoa. which was like pretty wild. The guy that brought me in, the manager, he did like 200K during that same time. So it was like, I almost sold as much as he did and I didn't know anything about it, which was kind of fun. But that was really where it solidified my knowing sales was a, a thing that I could do very well. Um, from there, I got an opportunity with a family member to get into the insurance industry. So I went and sold home and auto insurance for about five and a half years, had quite a bit of success there, but was very unfulfilled and not happy with the job. Like I was working my butt off 50, 60 hours a week and making 40 grand a year, went to the owner said, Hey man, I really think I should be making more money for how much work I'm doing. And he kind of said, just be patient, man. Someday you'll own a business like this and you'll be in good shape. I'm not a very patient person. So as a sales guy, my first response was, hey, how do I make more money? Well, I need more people to sell my stuff to. So I started learning online marketing and lead generation, which got pretty good at that for our base business. Still wasn't making the kind of money I wanted to make from it. Ended up selling that as a service to other insurance agents, right? So I started increasing my sales. They wanted to know, hey, dude, you're the best in the game and you're you're growing. What are you doing? So I was like, well, I'm doing this marketing and lead generation. And so I started selling that as a service on the side and ended up making twice what I was making selling insurance, doing part-time marketing services. That led me to meeting my men current mentor, one of them, Mr. Ryan Stuman, the hardcore closer. He's like, hey, dude, you're in the wrong business. Why don't you come over here and, and have a conversation and we'll see if we can't work together to, to change some lives. Flew down to Texas from Ohio, had a conversation with him, flew back to Ohio, quit my six-year career as an insurance agent to start over as a commission-only sales guy again um, in the coaching space. Since then, I have gone on. Um, I started March 1st of 2019 was my first like official day with the Breakthrough Academy and the Apex team. Since that point, I've done well over $6 million in sales. I've done created digital courses, become a best-selling author. Um, and, and really the biggest thing this whole time for me was focusing on serving the clients and helping them get what they want. Because if you're in sales, you know the old Zig Ziglar quote, right? If you help enough people get what they want, eventually you'll get what you want. And so that's kind of the condensed version of my last 10 or so years was used to sell you know tobacco then I sold furniture then I sold insurance now I'm doing you know I sold marketing for a while and now I'm doing coaching and consulting and just really focused on helping other people which is really what sales is all about that's super cool Jeremy and as of right now 
in that whole process, what's your favorite part of it? Do you enjoy doing the lead generation, the ads? Do you enjoy building out the funnel? Do you enjoy hiring and training the sales team? Do you enjoy just doing the sales yourself? What's your favorite part at the moment? My favorite part of sales at the moment is literally just getting to be myself and attracting people that want to live a similar lifestyle and having an opportunity to help them step into that, right? Because like with sales, there's a lot of people that like, you know, they just want to make the money and let's be honest, money's cool, but it's not my main motivating driving factor. I really just get a kick out of helping people get out of their own way and getting to watch them step into this new version of themselves. And, you know, some, some little thing that I may say could be on this podcast, it could be in casual conversation, but that little thing leads them to make some change in their life. And in doing so, they make more money, they get in shape, they create a better relationship. And so I know that ripple effect is much bigger than just a couple of dollars hitting my bank account. Interesting. And as of right now, Jeruby, do you do a lot of cold traffic ads outreach or are you mainly focused on just sort of your current clients being yourself and just sort of seeing what comes in organically? No, that's a great question. So my main focus right now is attraction marketing, right? So I create content. I post a ton of value. I'm, you know, one of those guys that like, I'll literally give you the recipe for success for absolutely free because I also recognize that most people won't take any action on free advice. And so I can give away the game and I can help as many people as possible. And maybe somebody buys from me, maybe they don't but I get to live the life knowing that I'm giving constantly. And, and again, I know that if I just keep giving, it's just going to open up the, the world for me to receive. And so that's why it's just about you know, helping people, man. I don't know. It's just like this weird thing, but I just, I love that side of it. That's super cool. So right now you're sort of focused on creating content, giving free value, but as you sort of know, there's a lot of ups and downs when you're just relying on, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and just organic traffic. How do you deal with the ups and downs? And especially, um, how do you deal with it for your salespeople who rely on the leads that you send their way? Or do you have like sort of a large team because of that? No, that's a great question. We, um, we actually keep a pretty small team here in the apex, uh, crew. Um, our specialty is sales follow-up, right? Like at the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there that are, they'll claim, Hey, I'm the best closer in the world, or I'm a one call closer. And that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, I know statistically only 5%, 5% of people are ready to buy right now. The other 95% are in limbo. I also know that in our business, it is a three to nine month sales cycle. So somebody that sees me today, is very unlikely to just jump in and invest somewhere between five and $50,000 to work with us. So I know I've got to build that trust factor, right? And that's part of the content creation. That's part of why I do what I do is building that trust factor so that someone says, Hey, clearly if this guy's willing to give all of this stuff away, there's gotta be some secret sauce on the other side of it. And yeah, there is, you know, some little things that we hold back, but at the end of the day, it's just, um, making sure that we put that follow-up into play, right? Because there's, if I get a hundred leads today and five of them buy, that's awesome. 
but like I still spent time and effort to acquire those other 95 leads. So for me, it's about building the pipeline and having a consistent process that we follow so that, Hey, the guys that didn't buy today, how many touch points are we going to have with them over the next six to nine months, knowing that that's about the sales cycle that it takes for someone to get to a point where they say, all right, dude, I'm convinced, take my money and show me what's up. Got it. And then I guess when it comes to content creation, how long have you been sort of just talking and giving value about sales? And the reason I ask that is after one year of just doing every video you can about sales, do you find that you end up just repeating yourself or getting burnt out on creating content about sales because you've done it for so long? Now, I think I ask that because I'm in sort of the e-commerce how to start an online business, how to run Facebook ads. And I noticed that after two years of teaching people how to make $100 a day, how to run Facebook ads, how to do drop shipping, that after two years, I was like, man, I don't want to keep talking about this, but this is sort of what my audience wants. No, that's 100% true. And I think that's what causes a lot of people to quit doing what they're doing is they get burnt out on saying kind of the same thing over and over. We actually have... Um, a content creation process. I'll give it to you. It's called the E3 method. Have an experience, extract a lesson from that experience, and then use it to educate or entertain your audience, right? Because we have experiences every day, especially as entrepreneurs, we come up against different roadblocks. We have different conversations. We speak to a client who's dealing with, you know, something that may be a pretty common scenario in that industry, but their perspective of it is so much different than somebody else's. And so there's an experience there that I can pull that lesson from. Hey, I talked to John today about his e-commerce uh, site. He was dealing with an issue with one of the drop shippers. Finds, you know, turns out this is pretty common amongst this world. Here's how we, you know, helped advise him to take a different path to get past that hurdle. Within seven days, his, you know, conversion rates went up and all the people that had ordered actually had a product shipped and ready to go. Like that's me telling a story of how I help somebody, but never once did I pitch you guys on trying to buy my e-commerce coaching. But if I tell enough of those stories, you're gonna see me as a guy that's an expert. And if you're in that industry or that space and you're having that problem and you see me talking about it and fixing it for somebody else, you're gonna be like, I should probably have a conversation with this guy. And so that's why that E3 method is so valuable because you can literally go back at any point in your day or in your week and say, okay, what experiences did I have? What lesson can I pull from that? And how can I use that story um, to engage with my audience? Because again, with social media, it's not for you to sell people stuff like, yeah, they'll buy, but social media is not designed for you to go on and post a bunch of spammy stuff about how you should buy my e-commerce course. It's about you telling stories and letting other people live vicariously through those stories. And so that's where a lot of people get it wrong is they want to just sell, sell, sell. But I know that if I tell enough stories of people having success, someone out there that's not having that success is going to want it. And so they're going to reach out to me and go, okay, dude, what did you do to help them figure that out? Amazing. And like you went from kind of like a rags to riches story. You were literally selling cigars to selling furniture to suddenly in the insurance industry. 
to getting a mentor out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, obviously it's out through your hard work, right? But did you see that as like a big escalation in your career at that point? Like when your mentor reached out to you, I think, what did you say, Ryan Stewart? Because I was just having a look at his Instagram. Yeah, Ryan yeah, Stewart, yeah. At heart Huge, push. yeah. That's his Instagram. Um, yeah. He's been in the game for a, like over a decade of coaching and, and helping business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, like... He, it was... Um, it was interesting getting to that point where he reached out to me directly. I was kind of like very shocked. Right. Um, but I think you, you kind of also hit the nail on the head that I created the opportunity for myself to have it because he owned a software program called phone sites. It's just a simple landing page or funnel builder. I mean, you guys are probably very familiar with that. Um, but it's just a simple software and that's what I was originally using to get my leads for the insurance industry. So I was like, using the software and having a little success with it. So in that private Facebook community of users, I was like, Hey guys, this is what I'm doing. That's working. This is how I did this. This is how I did that. Selfishly. I went, Hey man, I'm just hoping somebody sees this and goes, dude, you're an idiot. You don't want to do it like that. Do it this other way. It's way better. What ended up happening is the owner, Ryan calls me one day and says, Hey man, I really like what you're doing with my people and helping them. How about I give you a small retainer just to keep doing that? Cause I don't have anybody that's doing it. So by me, like just taking that effort to step into that role of like just helping people with no expectations, like I've had a world of opportunity drop in my lap because of it. So it's a very surreal feeling. Um, but it was also one of those knowing like, hey, here's an opportunity. Don't mess it up. Interesting. And you know how you sort of talked about 95% is sort of in the follow up game. So I've been sort of rebuilding our whole follow up process and sort of systemizing that and sort of following up on the people that I've talked to but wasn't ready to sort of join the program on the call and you know we would reach out to them a day after, three days after, one week, two weeks, um, one month, two months, um, then four months and it sort of just doubles up and I, what I'm noticing is probably 20% of people actually reply to the messages that I send out to them organically like, like these follow-up personalized tailored messages and the people that do reply, a lot of them are still not ready. Now I've only built out the process and it's sort of been only two months in. So like the oldest people in the funnel are only two months old. But do you find that leads start converting after say three months, five months, six months, or you actually got them to convert within the first two months and I'm doing something wrong? No, I find that the majority of my leads close in that four to six month window. And like, it's funny because like a lot of sales guys won't, they don't want to tell you like, oh, it takes me four months to close a deal because like that, that doesn't sound sexy, right? The online world is like, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to make seven figures in seven days. And like, that's the instantaneous is what people want. But the truth is like to be successful, it does take time. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not somebody that likes to rush my decisions, especially with a large investment, right? If I'm going to drop five, 10, 20, a hundred thousand dollars into something, I'm going to do my due diligence. And so I can't realistically expect someone on the other side of the conversation to just jump in willy nilly if that's not how I operate, you know? And so I accept the fact that, Hey, some people are going to be like, come in hot and ready. Like, all right, cool. I know what I'm up to. Let's go. But I also recognize that there are people like me on the other side of that phone that can be a little more skeptical about things and want to see, you know, hey, are these guys legit? Like I've done business with guys that are overnight that like 
they're popular and you give them money and then they disappear and you go, well, shit, what happened? You know, like, oh, okay, that's how this is going to roll. Got it. Um, so I am a little more skeptical. And so I recognize that with my clients, that's probably also something similar, right? They bought a 997 course that promised them the world and then got them nowhere. Maybe they did the work, maybe they don't. That's not my conversation to have. But I also recognize that people have that that concern before they make a big investment. So I think that if you're thinking long-term, hey, two months, three months, six months, that's like, that's the golden area, right? Like, when we have sales guys come in and they talk about like leads, they're like, hey man, the old leads are the gold leads because they've got the longest time to sit and marinate on their problem. If they're still struggling six months after they reached out the first time, like this is prime time to get in and say, hey man, how long are you going to bang your head against the wall expecting a hole to show up? So that's, that's my thought, man. If you're working that far out, the, be- the best thing you can do during that process is segment the, the objections Right, like, hey, what was the primary objection? Was it a price? Was it an understanding? Was it a timing thing? And then cater your follow-up to that specific objection. So now you're educating people while following up with them, basically giving them the recipe to fix that problem because ultimately we know as sales guys, that's a surface level thing. Having the money to get in is very surface level because, hey, we can all make money, but let me just go ahead and show you real quick how you can go make just enough money to get this investment to join this program. Because if you do that and you get that quick win, that dopamine says, okay, how do I get some more of that? And now you've got the money to join my program. So it's like, Hey man, if they gave me this for free, once again, what's on the other side of that paywall. Yeah. And in saying that you mentioned as well, you know, people just ready to drop that investment, you know, off the first meeting, off the first FaceTime or video call, et cetera. Have you dealt with situations where essentially like, angry customers or like angry um consumers of the of, of your product etc with like disputes and and people just saying oh you know it didn't work all your sale techniques didn't work or content didn't you know work out for me have you had to be on the receiving end of that and like, how did you how do you deal with it if you have yeah um you know we've definitely had people that come in and and want to say that what we do doesn't work or or it's not working for them but the truth is we know it does if people do the work like, and, and we have a process for checking that. So one of the first things I'll ask somebody that comes back that says, Oh, well, this isn't working. I'll say, well, how much of the content have you actually implemented? And, and because our course is designed in this very specific way, I can log into their portal and say, okay, well, I see that you've done exactly 0% of the work. So there's no way I'm going to refund you or feel yeah. bad for you because you haven't done the work. I told you from the get-go and I'm very, very upfront about expectations in that, hey, I can give you the secret sauce and the recipe, but if you don't go get the ingredients and put that recipe together, you're never gonna have anything to show for it. And yeah. so, yes, while we do get people that will wanna dispute things or, or argue that it didn't work, the majority of the time it's easy for me to go in and look and say, hey, you just didn't do the work. Is there the rare occasion that somebody did the work and it just didn't work for them? And sometimes we just got to refund somebody and let them go on their way. Eh, but it's not very often. And usually, it, again, it comes back to they were doing the work, but they were half-assed doing the work. And yeah. so I'm not going to sit here and argue with somebody about how much effort they should be putting in. If they don't want it, that's, I mean, okay, that's on you. And I'm I'm not going to keep you in my community if you have a mentality of I'm only going to give 50% expecting a hundred percent return. 
Got it. And Droopy, when it comes to your sales team members, how do you keep them sort of motivated? Because I've realized that the sales space is hard because you know you give them eight bookings on the day, six people show up or even four people show up and they close one and then that one I guess they have to do that every day and then there's days where they don't even close one and if it's 10% commission you calculate it, it's like they don't even make 40 grand a year and they're not motivated enough to keep following up for six months time so I'm like frick like I wouldn't be working for myself if I'm paying myself 10% commission at this sort of model how do you make this work for your salespeople? So one of the things we tell our sales guys is sales is the hardest $50,000 a year job you'll ever have and the easiest $200,000 a year job you'll ever have. It's a mindset thing. People that let that, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the rejection, right? The no's and the, oh my God, it's been three days and I haven't closed anything. And all you can think about is the fact that you've got rent coming due at the end of the month and there's no money, right? That's, that's a mindset issue. That's not a skill set issue. And so that's the biggest approach we have to take with our team is understanding that, hey, man, I've done well over $4 million in sales this year, but there's still days where I go two, three days and don't close a sale. But I have specific KPIs that I know if I'm focused on hitting these KPIs on a daily consistent basis, that it, the average is out to being successful. And I'm more than willing to share that. But for me, it's I want to make at least 100 outbound attempts. Right. So every day that I'm quote working, I'm trying to make at least a hundred outbound attempts. I'm having at least 10 serious conversations where I'm making some sort of offer, right? Like, Hey, this is what we do. And here's how we can help you. This is what it costs. Here's the link to sign up. And then I'm trying to close two deals. Like that's not a crazy number in any one sphere, but I know if I get two out of three of those on a daily basis, it's moving the needle forward because some days I might make a hundred outbound attempts have three conversations or have 10 conversations, but nothing closes, right? There may be days where I close five deals and have 10 conversations, but I don't make those outbound attempts because I'm busy closing the deals. So again, I know that if I can get at least two out of three, right? hundred outbound attempts, 10 conversations or two closed sales. If I get two out of three every day that I'm working, that's going to move me forward in my business to a point where, yeah, some days will be a little stressful because you don't close anything, but it's just knowing that if I do the work and plant enough seeds, there's bound to be a harvest of some sort. Interesting. And in that outbound process, do you find that you're calling people and they pick up your, oh, who's this? Oh, okay, cool. It's Drewby. Um, and then you sort of ask if, if they need help. Yeah. And then you're like sort of, you've caught them off guard where you can't really offer them something on the spot or, or, or am I incorrect in that sense? Um, or do you usually then spend 15 minutes talking and, and seeing if they really have a pain and problem and then you sort of send them towards a 45 minute sort of longer call or do you just close them on the spot when you're just calling all these numbers? Um, so again, I don't do a lot of like outbound in the sense of cold marketing. A lot of the people that I'm reaching out to have reached out to us initially. Now, with that being said, it could have been six months ago that they filled out our online application. And even though I have a very specific 30-day follow-up process with about 21 different touch points in that first 30 days, maybe they didn't respond. But again, I know 
if six months later, they're still struggling from the same problem that they asked us for help with initially, when I reach out again and say, Hey man, you hit me up six months ago, talking about wanting help with your, your sales and marketing game. Have you crushed your sales this year to the point where you no longer need that help? Are you still looking for help generating an extra five to 10 leads a month for your business? Yes. Okay, cool. What's different now than six months ago when you first sent this application over? Interesting. So you're randomly calling them and then just through that process, you might be on the call for them for 40 minutes and they didn't expect that. I mean, it really just depends, you know, honestly, for me, um, if you tell me you have a problem and I know I can solve it, like it's my duty as a salesperson to make that offer. Like if I don't make you an offer to help you solve your problem, then what am I really doing any of it for? And so I go into every call assuming that there's something I need to do to help this person. Maybe it's a, a thing where they need to sign up and pay to be a part of our program, or maybe it's a simple like, Hey man, I know you're still stuck and you want to do this program, but you're not in a position to do it. Here's something that I can give you to help you get to that point faster. Because at the end of the day, when you buy, you're going to buy from me because I've given you so much because I've been that guy that made sure you had every different little thing that you needed on this journey to get there. And so every call is about me getting to the root of the problem or whatever they're facing and then giving them something that they can use a value to move forward. And if there's nothing I can do to help them, it's just saying, Hey man, well, I'm super excited for you and happy to hear that you're crushing it. I just want you to know that if there's anything you ever need, I'm always here for you. Oh, and if there's somebody that you feel like does need our help, would you mind putting me in contact with them so that I can help them the way that you've been able to grow? I use a no as a referral opportunity. Hey man, you don't want my help? That's cool, but who does? Who needs it? Yeah. It's like you're really committed on providing value regardless of the outcome, I guess. That's goes into like the next segue in terms of, I saw that you had a, you released a book um, and just talk to us against like the thought process behind it in terms of wanting to, you know, release that book and um, how it's been the journey of, you know, authoring your own book and, you know, getting it out there because it's quite vulnerable. I feel like when you write, when you have the book, because, you know, if you sell your service as you do at the moment, it's kind of, you build that relationship with people and then you're able to, you know, like you said, do the, do your due diligence, delve in a little bit and then, you know, provide offerings. And then, you know, if they say no to you, move on, you know, or like, you know, get another referral after that. But in terms of a book, it's kind of just, it's there, it's out there, you know, in terms of the knowledge that you, you're providing on. So yeah, how was that challenge for you? Did you find it exciting? Like, um, yeah, well, well, how, how was the experience? Yeah. So, um, you know, writing the book was it's kind of a surreal experience, right? Telling my story and, and talking about my history and, and some of the things that I went through in my life you know, sharing that being vulnerable was a, it was a little bit scary, but it was also very freeing, right? I think a lot of people, especially when you get into this online space as what, you know, like it's weird to say, but like an influencer, right? Like telling that story and being vulnerable is the best way to connect with the right audience, right? Like something you've got to learn very early on in your entrepreneurial career is that you shouldn't want to do business with everybody. Like that's a quick way to burn yourself out and, and really just be frustrated is to think that everybody's going to do business with you um, because that's definitely not the case, even within the, the organization, right? Like there's people that are in our group that 
I've had conversations with that didn't buy from me that ended up buying from another rep just because our we just didn't vibe, right? And so I think writing the book was a combination of wanting to get my story out there and help people kind of see where I come from and why, you know, it may make sense to work with me and, and help get the coaching that I can provide. But also it's a power move. You know, if I approach a business owner for a conversation and and there's another guy that offers a similar product and he walks in and he leaves his business card and I walk in and I leave a signed copy of my book with my personal cell phone number and say, hey, man, um, I wrote the book on this subject. If you want to know more, feel free to reach out and we can have a conversation. That guy on the other side of the desk, who's he going to look at? Is he going to look at the guy that just handed him a $10 Vista print business card or the guy that handed him a best-selling Amazon book? How long was that book writing process? Um, I think all in, it took me about nine and a half to 12 months. Wow. But the truth is I sat on my first draft for about eight months and did absolutely nothing with it because I had imposter syndrome. Like going into the book, I was like, all right, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to talk about all these things I've done. And then I got my first draft back and I went, damn, has any of the stuff I've done really been cool enough to tell anybody about? Like, am I, am I good enough to put this book out? Like what, what makes me, you know, a guy to, to talk about any of this stuff. So I, I really had to push through that personally um, to, to get over the idea that, Hey man, um, imposter syndrome is actually kind of a good thing in the sense that if you feel that way, it's because you have integrity and that you don't ever want to stand up and give someone the wrong information or feel like you're not the expert on a topic that they're trying to learn from you. And so that was something that we had to kind of rewire in my mind that, hey, man, like, no, I'm not an expert in every part of the world and, and in every sense of what I do. But there are things that I've done very successfully. And there's somebody out there who is in a position that I used to be in that wants to be in the position I'm in now. And that's the person that I can help with this information by sharing my story and being vulnerable enough to talk about, hey, this is what I went through and these are the challenges I faced. And here's how I was able to build the ramp over that roadblock. I'm just fast tracking someone else's path to success and, and being able to accept that within my own mind and saying, okay, cool. I know that by giving everything I've gone through, I'm just making space for new things and experiences to happen in my life. And so it, it took a little time to get over that. But once I kind of got over that mental roadblock, I was able to dive back in and say, hey, cool, this is just chapter one, right? There are many more books to follow. This, this one needs to be closed out so that I can move into the next season. That's where like, I really came together and said, okay, it's time to get off my ass and, and get this done because that's, that's how I'm able to metaphysically step into that next season of what I'm going through as well. Interesting. Was there like a structure to the book that you sort of learned from other books that you sort of modeled after? And then during the drafting process, are you rereading your whole book again and again and again? How, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I'm very blessed to be surrounded by a number of guys and mentors that were already best-selling authors when I sat down to write my book. So I kind of had a little bit of a blueprint to the process. Um, and it's actually something that we teach within our apex coaching program, right? Like, Hey, if you want to become the authority in your space, in your industry, part of that is writing this best-selling book and, and doing a couple different pieces. So we, we actually coach people on how to do that now. 
Um, but for me, the whole idea was where am I at now, right? And what I would consider to be like the peak of my existence, the, the happiest, the healthiest, the most money, you know, good relationships, like this is quote, like best days of my life, right? Where am I now? And, and how did I get here? How do I reverse engineer the things that happened? And, and what were those major events that led me to the lessons that I learned, right? What experience did I have and what lesson can I extract from it to use to educate and entertain the audience? Sometimes it's a, a funny story about things that I went through and, and dealt with. And sometimes it's more serious. Like, yo, this was a pretty shitty thing that happened. And here's how I had to, to get over it. And, and here's the lesson that I was able to take away from that so that someone who's reading it, the book can say, hey, I've, I've got a similar thing going on in my life. Here's how I can take that lesson and, and turn it into my own growth cycle. Because again, it's, it's not always going to be the same. We all live different lives, but we do have similar experiences. And so being able to take the lesson from others and, and kind of learn from the things that you maybe don't want to do in life that's a very valuable tool. And so it was all about reverse engineering where I'm at to where I started and, and what steps went along that path so that it's easier for someone who's going through that starting point to say, okay, if I do this, 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 and this over time, this is what happened for this guy. Maybe it's not exactly what'll happen for me, but at least I know I'm headed in the right direction. Super cool. And I guess, Drew, right now, what's your day-to-day -day like? Are you focused on creating more content, trying to reach more people. I focus on sort of refining the current processes within the company and sort of making sure everything's the best it could be. I just focus on training and building out your sort of team members. What's your day-to-day -day like now? What, what are you focused on? Um, so we actually have a thing called the G code. Um, that's the code to greatness. So it's four G's that we focus on every day. The first one being gratitude. Uh, so every morning I write down five things that I'm grateful for. And then throughout the day, I look for ways to be very grateful for my experiences and my opportunities and the things that come my way. Um, we focus on genetics. That's our health and our wellness, right? So I try not to eat like a dumpster fire, try to get my workout in every day, right? And it doesn't have to be some crazy like weightlifting routine. Sometimes I might just go for like a three or four mile walk in the morning, but just something that gets me up and moving and, and focuses on being healthier because again it doesn't matter how much success i have if i keel over from a heart attack what good is any of it right so it's kind of kind of keeping that mental wellness and physical wellness as a top priority uh, i focus on my grind right so that's the business side of things what am i doing that moves the needle forward in the business right now for me primarily it's content creation showing up on podcasts like this growing my audience sharing more value with the different communities and plugging in and, and just you know, um, kind of like going on a little Wayne mixtape tour, right? How many different places can I show up and, and be on songs and, and be in content that helps people while I continue to grow my authority within the space and, and with what I do? Um, we actually have a team of guys that I'm working with and helping them follow a similar path that I took within the business, right? Starting with tech support, understanding the ins and outs of what we do, how we do it, why we do so that when they get better, I can unleash them to continue growing and helping more of our audience and our clients, right? So making sure they understand the path and, and the lessons they need to learn in order to be the best version of themselves to help our clients become the best version of themselves, right? So focusing in on that and the SOPs and the processes and, and kind of untangling this web of things that I've done successfully um, within the business to, to help line that out for our guys. So that's kind of the grind every day. 
And then the last G of the G code is your group, right? How am I showing up for someone in my life with zero expectations? How am I having a conversation that's just providing value to someone in my community, whether it's my wife and my son or a member of our group or, or an old friend, right? How am I showing up and giving for them and, and being there for my group of people with zero expectations? And so what's cool is it's kind of gamified that personal development for me where, you know, hey, if I hit the, the gratitude and I write down my five things I'm grateful for, I give myself a point in the act. If I work out and I eat healthy, I give myself another point. If I do some work every day, I do, you know, give myself a point. And so now if I'm getting four points a day, I've hit all four areas of the G code and you know, what gets measured gets improved. And funny enough, when you focus on those things every day, they get better. And so as that score goes up in the G code, my life continues to improve because I'm focusing on the things that matter most. And so that's kind of like my day to day is built around a routine that allows me to focus on those four G's. I get up at 4am every day. I write down my gratitudes. I drink water, I read, and then I go and I do my workouts. And then I come home and I spend time with my family and we have a morning routine for the family. And then I go to the office and I put in my time at the office, or sometimes I work from home, just depending, right? And then I come home and I've got more family time on the schedule because again, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done. That's how I live my life, which is why we were kind of like, Hey man, how are we going to schedule this? That makes sense. And I was like, Hey man, you're going to have to just hit my calendar. Cause this is my boss. I know every day when I look at this thing, this is going to tell me what I need to do to be the successful person I want to be. And so, you know, I've, I've dialed in on that routine and, and focused on those areas of my life. And in doing so, it's funny because most people are like, well, I don't want to have to put everything on a calendar. Like I don't want to put my family time on the calendar. Well, then you're not, you don't care about it because Time is the one resource you can't buy more of. You can't win it in a poker tournament and you're not going to wake up to a box of time on Christmas morning. Right. So like if you're not being intentional with it, you're really throwing away a lot of opportunity. And so for me, the day to day is like, OK, I know at 4 a.m. I'm going to wake up and at 10 a.m. I'm going to bed. What am I doing with that 18 hours in that stretch to get the most out of my life? That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so, so like the commitment and focus and dedication to that single plan. I personally, I can't do it. I definitely can't do it. So like kudos to you to be able to, but surely there's some days where like, you just feel a little bit burnt out from like other days where you just, you know, wake up and you just like, oh, I need a holiday or I need a break. Or do, do you have like a mental clock where you know, where you need to like, you know, take your foot off the pedal and then give yourself a look, a little bit of a holiday and break. Cause you know, you got all this time, you're working so hard, you got to give yourself a holiday every now and then, right? So like, do you just have a mental clock where you're just like, yep, I've had enough, I need a break? Um, to like add to the question, because it's same thing, like I've sort of routinized like my whole day where I sort of know what I'm doing throughout the whole day. Um, I have the gratitude thing where I write three things I'm sort of grateful for. And I do go through these periods where three, four months in, I'm doing the same thing every single day. And I think it's, three or four days of just like not getting enough sleep. I'm waking up at 7 a.m. even if I've slept at 2 a.m. Um, and it happens for like a few days in a row. Then I get into this sort of cycle of like, man, why am I forcing myself to, to do all these things? And it feels like, you know, it's, it's repetitive. What's the point of all this? And I know that obviously the solution is just to like get a lot of sleep over two to three days, maybe take a day off, go to nature and go on a camping trip. But in the moment, it feels really bad. But um, yeah, answer Christian's question. I just wanted to add that on. 
No, absolutely. And, it, you know, 100% do I, I get it burnout. What I try to do is, you know, again, that's why being intentional with that time is so important because here's really what happens and why people get burned out, right? Like, let's say I put four hours of family time on the calendar on Saturday morning. So I get up, I do my workout, I come home, get cleaned up, and then I've got four hours scheduled of family time. Well, if I'm not dedicated to that time and present with them in that moment, then what's happening is I'm basically telling the universe, the, the gods or the energy, whatever you want to call it, right? That I'm not dedicated to this thing. And so what happens is that distraction causes issues, right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be with my family, but I'm spending time on my phone, you know, we're looking through Facebook and, and I'm a hundred percent guilty of this. Like no way am I trying to say that I'm like perfect and don't fuck up because I totally do. But what I'm saying is, and this is why it's so important to be intentional with that time and, and use the calendar the way you do because I've built a lifestyle that allows me to run at this pace without burning out. Does it happen on occasion? Sure, right? Like this weekend is our Black Friday. It's gonna be a, like gangbusters from sunup to sundown all weekend long. I know that. In preparation for that, my family and I took a two-day holiday over the weekend and we went and we rented an Airbnb on this cool little farm and we spent time just being together knowing that, hey, I'm going to go through a season here in a couple of, you know, in a week where I'm going to be sun up to sun down going through the grind. And so that's where letting the calendar be your boss is where you're actually giving yourself that freedom to not burn out because it's like, hey, man, I know that after four or five days of like serious work, I'm going to need a mental break to just reset. Because even if you're doing the same thing day after day, it's easy to, to, fall out of sync if you're not focused. Right. And so that's where having the calendar and being intentional can, can ease some of that. And it, it makes it a little easier to not get burnt out. Cause you can look at your calendar and go, okay, cool. I'm going to be busy for these four days. I'm going to put a two hour block here on Friday where I literally am not going to do anything except go play golf, or I'm going to stare at my fish tank and, and talk to my fish, right? Like whatever it is, it gets you excited or, or helps you reset mentally you have to put that on the calendar and you have to not only put it there, but you have to take the time to go and do it. See, I think that's the other side of it is a lot of people talk about, man, I'm going to go and do this thing. And they set these big goals and these intentions. And they, even if they put it on the calendar, it gets to the calendar and they're like, ah, I'm too busy. I'm going to let this thing be my excuse to not go do the thing that I know I need to be doing to not burn out. Right. And so it's like, Hey, I'm going to go and get a pedicure. Okay, well, if you don't go and get the pedicure, then you're basically telling the universe, it's like, hey, I don't care about myself enough to go take care of myself. And so, the, like, it's just a weird circle. It's kind of woo-woo or whatever, but like, hey, man, once you get into personal development and understanding the power of your mind and intentionality and not just like the intentionality, but what happens when you intentionally ignore the things you know you're supposed to be doing. I mean, it's like I said, it's a little woo-woo, but man, it, it makes a big difference. Do you have a rule of like every year I need to take two holidays and the holidays are like seven days and let's schedule these in six months in advance so it happens? Is that something you do or do you sort of just schedule in these holidays randomly? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I probably should, but my family and I were kind of um, sporadic people. Like we love just waking up and being like, hey, let's go do this. You know, and, and sometimes it's like, we'll see something and be like, you know, I'd really like to go and do that. And it's like, okay, when can we put that on the calendar? Right. But it's, it's kind of like, we, 
we like the idea of planning things, but also leaving it open to the to the universe to show us that that fun, right? It's like, hey man, we know we're gonna go and be at this Airbnb for the weekend. What are we gonna do while we're there? Well, we got a couple things we might want to do, a couple things we, you know, maybe we'll do. And once we get there, we'll just kind of let whatever that feeling is take us where we want to be. You know, he said, we got an Airbnb this weekend and it was on a farm and there were some cute little cows and stuff. So my son was able to feed the cows and there's like, you know, a waterfall close by and some other things. And we're like, well, let's go do this. And then we'll kind of see how we're feeling. And then maybe we'll go do this. And we, we kind of just let that energy guide us to the thing we know we, we need, or we want to get out of that adventure. And so it's, it's kind of like, oh, Hey, that would be fun. Let's go do that. And then it's like, okay, how are we going to fit that into the schedule? to make sure that it's not offsetting any of the other things we know we need to be doing. Interesting. And how, how do you do that, Drewby, when you have your calendar open for people, you have people booking in sales calls, you have meetings with your team members, they're scheduling things into your calendar and you look at the next week, there's like something everywhere. And then I guess you have to look for the next week. And then I guess you can lock things in the week afterwards, but then what if you're burnt out that day? Now you're just gonna have to push out the next five days before you can go on a break. Does that ever happen? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'm very, very particular about my calendar. So like when I sent you the link to book, the only times you could book were Monday, Tuesday, or Friday between 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Central. Because that's the only time I take sales calls. If someone ever tells me, hey, I wanna get on a call with you, cool, here's a link to my calendar to set that up. Because I know that to give you my full 30 minutes or 45 minutes of attention, I'm going to need this booked into this time slot. Otherwise, I'm going to have 100 different things coming at me at the same time. And I can't give you the attention that you deserve or that that conversation needs. And so that's why it's like, hey, you want to have a call? Perfect. Here's a link to my calendar. Why don't you book something that gives you the time to have the conversation, right? Because if I just call you randomly and I'm like, hey man, let's take 45 minutes to chat, but you're an entrepreneur running a business, like you probably don't have 45 minutes to chat right now. So for me, especially when it comes to the sales conversation, the first thing I always ask everybody is, hey man, I'm glad to connect. Let me know if you'd prefer to have a conversation here in messages or if you wanna set up a time to talk on the phone. It's kind of a two-way thing. For me, it's giving me the opportunity to let the, the prospect feel comfortable in the battlefield, right? Because sales is a battle. Like people show up to the, the sales call like, hey, this guy's going to sell me some stuff. I got my guard up. Like I need to make sure I <laughs> advantage of, right? So if I'm giving them that, that thought of like, okay, well, he's going to let me do this where I'm comfortable, then, then that's just one less thing for me to have to overcome in the objection, right? If I'm that guy that's like, hey, let's get on a call. Let's get on a call. Let's get on a call. And you're like, dude, I don't want to get on a goddamn call. You're not going to do business with me. But if I'm like, hey, man, I'm glad we're connected. I'd love to see if what we do can help you. Would you rather chat here or hop on a phone call? Now you're comfortable. Now you're like, all right, I'd rather have a conversation and messages. Perfect, man, we'll start here. And if at any point we now need to hop on a call, no problem, we'll set that up. Tell me what made you decide to reach out today. Let's see how we can help, right? Or it's, hey, man, I'd really like to get on a call with you. Awesome. Here's a link to my calendar. I live and die by it. So the best way for me to be able to give you a 30 minute time slot is for you to book in at a time that makes the most sense for you so that we can both give each other that full attention. Does that sound fair? Kind of hard to say no to that, right? Yeah. That's true. That's, That's why true. I'm very particular about that so that I'm knowing that when I have those days, there are time blocks 
in my calendar to free my mind. So if I need an hour to like go and do something else, it's there and available for me. But for the most part, I know that if I want to live the life of a one percenter, I got to be willing to do the things that only one percent of people are willing to do. Yeah. So like, what about say during this festive season, do you, would you block off your calendar leading up to, you know, Christmas, New Year's, you know, spend time with family, friends, et cetera, or do you just have a little bit of things here and there and then let yourself, you know, I actually this year booked a five day trip for all of our family. So instead of doing Christmas presents this year, I booked a yeah. stay at like this big mansion style place on the beach. It's got a big heated pool. And I told all the family like, Hey, we're not doing presents this year. Everybody yeah. just fly into Florida, come to this cool beach house. Let's hang out and spend time together. So like I blocked off, you know, six days on my calendar for that specifically. But yeah. I know that while we're there, I'm still going to probably take an hour or two each day to sit down and do work because yeah. I know that that's just who I am. Like I can't not work for five days. <laughs> I can build into my schedule. Hey, here's time we spend together in the morning while everybody's kind of chilling and taking their afternoon time. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to hammer out follow-ups and sales calls because I know the end of the year rush ain't going to stop just because I'm on vacation. So I'm just going to build that time slot into the vacation and say, Hey, for this two hours, I'm hundred percent dedicated to doing what I need to do to make the money so I can pay for this cool vacation. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> it ain't for free. <laughs> do some stuff while this I'm beach here. house ain't cheap. Yeah. That's right. But I'm <laughs> with that time, right? Like I can sit down and do two hours of focused work. And what most people don't realize is two hours of focused work is the equivalent of what most people do in an eight hour day, except that they're like screwing off. They're watching YouTube videos. They're taking calls. They're staring at Facebook, right? Like, if you just focus and do a solid two hours of work, you'll get more done than most people do in their normal eight hour day. And so that's the idea. It's like, Hey man, I'll just sit down and lock in and do what I got to do for a couple hours and then be able to go right back to spending time with the family and having a good time. That's amazing, Drew. I want to be respectful of your time. Like I, I wanted to really dig into the messaging when you talked about that. I was like, damn, that's like a whole, like, you're like one of the people like I've, not many people talk about closing through messaging and even just offering the ability to talk to your clients and prospects through messaging. That's like a completely different topic. Um, I definitely would love to dig that, dig into that another time, but I'm really respectful of your time. I really appreciate you doing this. You shared so much value. Um, where can they get your book, learn more about what you do, um, learn, get, get free value from you. Where can um, people learn from you, Drewby? Yeah. And I want to thank you guys for taking the time to invite me to be on here. Um, if we do another call to just dive into sales stuff, that would totally be cool. I'd love to share on, on my messenger tactics. Cause I actually prefer to sell through messenger because yeah, I, I want to hear about that. conversations at a time versus just one on the phone. Crazy. We would definitely have to set up a follow-up on that. Um, but thank you guys for taking the time to let me be here and let me share my story and, and some value with your audience. If anybody wants to find me, uh, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Crushing the Day, uh, a simple guide to success in life and business through service to others because I'm all about serving others. I have a Crushing the Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. If anybody wants to check that out, I do little short motivational snippets every day to kind of just get you fired up to crush the day. And then uh, you can go to connectwithdruby.com. It's got a link to all of my different content, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, all that jazz um, so if anybody wants to find me, connect with me, like I said, I, I really try to just give as much value away for free as I can. And, you know, if someone wants to hire us for some higher end coaching, that's certainly available. But 
first and foremost, the biggest goal is just giving what I can to help people go out there and crush the day before it crushes them. That's amazing. We'll wrap it up like that. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, you guys got some value. Definitely check out Drewby. Um, This was an amazing episode, and hope you guys got some value today. Peace.